All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to Salad. We've got an exciting interview with uh, for you today. We're going to be speaking with Jonah Katz. He is a performance media strategist um, for Programmatic at Giant Spoon. He just started working there um, as well. Um, he's worked at a number of different agencies uh, here in Los Angeles, including RPA, um, among others. And um, he has a lot of really great experience uh, in media as well as in in, uh, public relations, social media, and even accounts as well. Um, so he's kind of run the gambit here. And so we just kind of wanted to get to know Joan a little bit better, uh, pick his brain, and kind of hear a little bit more about what he has to say. So uh, without further ado, here we go. Hello, Jonah. Nice yeah. to meet you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Jonah. Thanks for coming on. Um, Trent here again. You know, we got to talk a little bit before we clicked record here, but just want to say thanks again. I remember. I think we connected on LinkedIn, like right after I think I saw you were working at Giant Spoon. I remember looking at your profile and saw you're on Lambda Chi Alpha, which I like because my dad was in that too over at Cal Northridge. So I was like, okay, that's cool. And there then, we go. All right. Yeah, we got it going. <laughs> and then saw um, you were doing March of Dimes volunteering too, which I actually worked on some stuff for them at the last ad agency I was at. So they're a great organization too, which I think is awesome. So cool to see you've been doing kind of a mix of stuff while you're in college and even still kind of doing different departments and kind of ending up as a performance media strategist. Just kind of like to learn a little bit more about you, kind of what your path to Giant Spoon was and kind of what made you fall in love with advertising in this kind of industry. Sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I guess just to go into myself a little bit, Midwest born and raised, I'm originally from Indiana, specifically nice. the Southern part. So I grew up on the border of Indiana and Kentucky, um, okay. you know, river town, whatever. And then, um, actually got into, or was really interested in, in advertising and the media space because both of my parents are on television or my mother was, and my father still is. They were both oh, competing right news anchors and then had my brother and I, <laughs> um, while they were on competing stations, my mom had a talk show. My dad does the morning show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, my dad's been, been doing that for 38 years now. I think 38 years wow. doing television out there and in the Midwest. And so my brother and I were always exposed to TV and media and radio and, and that whole environment. Um, so my parents basically talk for a living. And so now I moved into a role where I do a lot of talking with, with our clients, with our vendors and with our team as well. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's the basic part of, of how I grew up and, and whatnot. And then I guess if you guys want to know like where I went to college and all that stuff, happy to talk about that too. Yeah. Right on. Um, what you, yeah. what you got there? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I went to a, a little known university, uh, called ball state university, home of David Letterman. Uh, okay. that guy. Yeah. I originally went there, uh, for music production. I wanted to be, um, a music producer. I wanted to mix audio for, for live, live bands and in recording studios. And I loved that. And I did that for a year and a half. And one day I was sitting there in class and I was like, I am bored. This is not what I want to do. <laughs> uh, so kind of fell back sure. into something I knew and that was marketing and that was, uh, public relations, things like that. So, um, I ended up graduating with a marketing degree. And while I was in college at the, on the back half, I realized maybe I need something a little more than just, you know, the foundational courses of, of business marketing and things like that. So I added on, added on some more uh, PR and social media experience and was lucky enough to land an internship over at Zappos.com based out oh, of nice. Vegas, who yesterday just celebrated their 20th anniversary. So congrats oh, to them. Hey, that's awesome. Um, but I spent a summer there on their public relations team, working um, on live activations for events, working with their social channels, uh, really whatever they needed, I was there for. Um, and then I finished out my college career and landed a second internship 
because I was kind of sick of looking for a full-time job, I decided I should probably jump back into an internship and get some more experience um, doing some content production and photography for a nonprofit that toured the country. Uh, After that, came to LA. That's awesome. What kind of, you transitioned from a couple roles, right? What was was that like with uh, kind of RPA uh, and uh, the accounts that you worked on too? Yeah, so the very first agency I worked at is coincidentally in the same building as Giant Spoon. So that was that was kind of a blast from the past when I started oh, no here. Way. Um, but yeah, I was hired to do uh, account work, and while I, that taught me a lot and it gave me a lot of skills, and I thought that was where I wanted it, my career was headed. I realized after a while that was not something that I could I could see myself doing for the next five to eight years or so. So um, I kind of I I left that role and I moved more into. Um, doing some kind of freelance stuff. And uh, I, I think it, it taught me a lot in the sense of like how to work with just client contacts on a day-to-day basis and how to also work with with um, PR teams, especially. I was doing a lot of pitching. I was doing a lot of building out media lists. Sure. Um, so it's good to understand that kind of unpaid side of the media business as I sit now in a very, very paid side of the business. So um, it seems kind of nowadays, you know, the way that agencies are structured and kind of especially their relationship with media and especially kind of performance programmatic media, a lot of the, the uh, areas that you were in, um, how do you kind of feel that agencies uh, should kind of interact with each other in that way? How should media kind of talk with the rest of the team? And- yeah, so that, I guess that's something... I don't think about that too often because some agencies, it comes really naturally that everything is kind of cohesive and everything works together. Uh Um, And I work a lot in analogies. Like my brain is all over the place all the time. It, Mm -hmm. It is, it is running a mile a minute. So I kind of have to think of real world examples of abstract concepts. So when I think of kind of the media's role and how does that relate to other departments and things like that, I kind of think it as this big, uh, as it's like an airport. So the media department is very much like the baggage claim area of, you know, the luggage is going Mm. around on a wheel and someone will pick it up. And then that is the message that they're going to receive from your advertising. So, you know, strategy helps pack up the suitcases and throws them on the conveyor belt and uh, creative really gets all that messaging and fine details and translate that translates that into an art piece. And then media is saying, okay, how can we deliver this in the most efficient, best way possible to our consumer? And then they're going to pick it off the baggage claim and get an impression. Then, you know, there comes analytics and things like that Uh, on the backside. But I I kind of view it as that relationship. It's not always uh, an assembly line, but it's all these moving parts that relate to one another. And a lot of agencies that that I know of that I've that I've kind of worked tangentially with or or read about, and they, they talk a lot about silos and how they don't want you know their departments to be siloed. They want to work cross functional, and we have you know this integrated agency, so we have you can do creative and you can also do like your strategy here if you bring us on board. Those kind of things, and a lot of time I. I hear that, but I also see that they're looking at it as just like a set of concentric circles, like a a massive Venn diagram of, oh, well, strategy and creative Mm -hmm. do this. And then we move on to media and creative. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like this, um, segmented out type journey. But realistically, I look at it, the agency model, especially here at Giant Spoon is like, everything is one big flat circle sandwiched on top of another. So Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, things aren't going to be handed off. It's things move along with each department. So 
strategy comes, you know, comes before creative, but it doesn't leave once the creative pieces are in production and creative doesn't leave once the media is out there because we're constantly learning off of our media and reiterating back to creative. And that speaks back to the strategy. Right. And so it's all this one big circle. And I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that I work at an agency now. I'm not saying my past agencies didn't do this, but Giants Moon especially, we look at it as one big circle. How does everything fit together? If we have an extra $40,000 in budget in media and we want a really big idea, we could sit here for days and say, all right, what Snapchat lens can we pay for? What you know, Facebook ad unit is something we could really drive towards? Or we could sit down and say, let's bring in someone from social strategy. Let's bring in someone from experiential have them give us some of their big ideas and we can pare down off of that or we can kind of break away from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to sit there and say like, well, we have some money, what kind of cool media things we can do instead of saying, okay, what kind of cool things can we do for this brand? Even if it doesn't just involve a cool ad unit or, you know, some maybe like a, a larger programmatic budget, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's, I, th- I think that's really a great, a great way that you put it. And I like kind of what you're talking about, about the circle sort of analogy. And so, um, admittedly, I am also uh, kind of in the media sphere more so. I'm more on the analytical side a little bit. But um, one of the things that I try to talk about a lot, too, is even, you know, you're speaking about media, you're speaking about how these parts interconnect. And it really is about sort of closing a loop, you know, that circle kind of yeah. thing that you're talking about, you know, and if you can have, you know, everything on the back end talking and informing what people are doing on the front end, the strategy and the creative, I feel like it just creates so much better work and it can, it can create a full campaign that is integrated everywhere that it is. I think that's so cool. No. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that, with that standpoint. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And so was that kind of what drew you to media then specifically, or what kind of brought you into this space then? Yeah. Um, I think it was a combination of things, but I think I've always been more digitally native and digitally savvy than anything else. Like mm-hmm. I, I love talking and I love talking on the internet. And if that means Twitter, if that means Instagram or, or Facebook, that's what I love. I really wasn't, I want to go and and pitch for brands or I want to work on, I mean, I would love to be a creative and to be a graphic designer, but that's not what I'm good at. That's not where I see myself. So mm-hmm. I could... I sat down and I thought about, okay, what am, what am I passionate about? What is that one thing that I really enjoy doing and how can I leverage that into a career? And for me, that was social media. That was me having a Twitter account, which admittedly I started in 2012, which for some reason it feels like it was late, even though that was seven years ago. I felt like <laughs> I, st- I got behind the ball on, on, the, on creating a Twitter account, but mm-hmm. that is really something that allowed me to harness the creative energy that I have when it comes to building out tweets and interacting with communities and watching trends fly by and understanding how they coalesce around certain things. Because what I'm always really trying to do and how that kind of, you know, past experience and how that social media really informs what I do now is always try to make some kind of emotional connection with the work that I do that I do. And not saying that I worship things like bumper ads or, or, you know, 300 by 250 display units. Like I don't, I don't sit there. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the best 300 by 250 unit I've ever seen. No, because if you get that granular, then you're going to lose your goddamn mind. Mm -hmm. But you sit there and you say like, how can I try to connect my work back to a piece of culture or a current thing that I've seen? Right. Whether it's a, a trend on Twitter that is happening or something that I observed while on the street, whether it's an out of home piece or it's, anything really. So how can I connect my work back to that? Mm Because if I sit at my desk every day and I, you know, 
set up these campaigns from a media side and I only look at it from this media side and I don't go out in the world and see what else is going on, mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of be a little bit miserable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. It's a lot of spreadsheets. If you don't, uh, if you don't bring your head up for air every now and again, yeah, like I, I, when I, I was at RPA for a, a little over a year and, and a couple months and in between yeah. starting and leaving, I had to get a pair of glasses and I've never had glasses because I stared at Excel spreadsheets for over a year and my eyes bled from a pivot table, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like yeah. my, my eyes were so tired. Yeah. I had to get glasses just to be able to see the screen now. <sighs> rough stuff definitely and yeah i mean I, uh, I i feel you there i just got out of a pivot table myself but um yeah. how do you kind of i know that you were saying that you know and kind of looking at uh, your linkedin profile as well you know you have a lot of different sorts of experiences and you know i know you talked about you know you kind of want to bring an emotional connection to your work in media but how do you kind of bring in those other parts of the agency or maybe even other things just in your life uh into into your role in media yeah, so I think uh, I don't really have a lot of like concrete examples of saying like, oh, I was on this media campaign and then I remembered I have PR experience, so then I did X. Yeah, like, I wish course, it was yeah. that simple. Where it's like, oh, you've earned this, you know, you've earned this merit badge, so you have unlocked this skill tree. I wish it was like that. I wish it was like a video game, <laughs> right, but right. it's not. But mm-hmm. it give, it does give me a lot of perspective, and I think that is something that is greatly needed and sometimes really undervalued when it comes to joining joining an ad agency is a lot of perspective if you are someone who has solely only has public relations experience or only only has account work experience and you want to do account work that is totally fine but if you're someone who does account work but also has a background in social that adds more value to what you can bring to the team because you can say, all right, I've got really great account experience and I've also worked on these social clients. So you can understand the different parts of a client's business because there are chances, unless you're working at an agency that solely just is, you know, the creative AOR or media AOR, (coughs) media AOR or what have you, Mm -hmm. then you're going to try and do work that's cross-functional. If I'm sitting there looking at a media campaign I know we have a social component to it. I know if I'm setting up a programmatic campaign that we're going to run Facebook and Instagram as well. So what does well on those platforms? Paid or organic aside, what does well on those platforms? And I think having things like a social media background helps you understand. And if you're trying to set up a media campaign and you're thinking of out of home pieces to run, Mm-hmm. having a PR experience of saying, okay, what is stuff that I, in the past that I've worked on that I've put out not paid that has caught traction? What kind of messaging, what kind of brands and their messaging, what combination, what captures that public attention and how can we translate it to some out of home pieces? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. And I, I think I totally agree in that sense. I mean, you, you almost need that context in order to visualize what you're doing or else it just kind of becomes number soup. So totally, totally get you there. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jonah, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the different kind of experiences you've had through advertising. I think one of those experiences we like to learn about too, from people that we talk to is, you know, kind of what, what has been like a, uh, a project or campaign that you've worked on that was really one of your favorites that you're really proud of that you saw go out into the world or something you thought was really exciting or funny or kind of what was one of those like projects that you'd really hang your hat on that you enjoyed working on? You know, I wish I could sit here and be like, it was this big can lion campaign that, yeah. you know, won gold and, and all these awards. And I was you know, sat at my <laughs> desk and smiled. It's almost never it's the case, right? I'm, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it, and if it was, then I, I, I don't know. I would have, you know, that would have been my intro. I'd be like, I'm so-and-so and this is, and I've won X award. Right. No, it's, it's, it's something way smaller than that. Just came from mm-hmm. over at RPA yeah. and a little over, well, this must, this is probably about 11 months ago. So I was still over at RPA. Right. Um, and they had, had someone running their paid social for the agency, for the agency as a whole, putting out agency marketing pieces, POVs, things like okay. that. Uh, they had, they had someone doing it and they decided to hand it off to me. At the time, I was pretty fresh at the agency, so I was like, "Oh, wow, this is a great opportunity! Yeah, cool, cool. cool, 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 great guys, <laughs> awesome." Um, and then they were like, "Okay, well, we want to. Uh, we're just going to run this, you know, a fa- this Facebook ad. Like, we're going to run a Facebook ad once yeah. a month, and we're going to run, you know, maybe like, or we're going to run some some cool, like maybe like a LinkedIn post. Not even actually, not even a LinkedIn post. Let me back up there. We, we was okay. We have this." So this person's going to a conference and they're speaking. We're going to run a Facebook post about it. Yeah. So people know that that person from our agency is going to be there. And here's the audience that we generally use. Go for it. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So I ran it and I was like, this is not as good as it could be. Right. And so I sat down and I thought, <laughs> okay, some platforms we're not on. We are barely on Twitter. We're on there organically, but it's for paid. We haven't run a paid campaign on Twitter. And I think at that point it had been like a year and a half. Right. And we were on LinkedIn. We were not on LinkedIn as as a paid opportunity at all. I'd never, we had been there. We had run one campaign for a month, two years prior, and it and that was that. So I sat down and said, "Okay, how can we best utilize these channels that we are not even touching? We're running stuff on Twitter, but we're really not running stuff on Twitter. If that makes sense, it was pieces that were meant for you know the agency website that we then wanted to put on Twitter and then boost it out. Like there, it wasn't meant for the platform. It was just meant." Mm-hmm to say, hey, we're here, here's something we're doing. So sat down and thought about that and then realized, okay, if we're going to do anything on these platforms, we need to have a paid component mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Because that needs to be built out anyway. If we're already running the organic side, you should just build out the paid side to have that there in case you want yeah. to utilize it. Of course. So first thing I did, you know, sit down on Twitter and you build out all these audiences and no one else really ran anything through Twitter. That's not a, the clients that I, were, I was on and the clients at the agency really weren't, super heavy into Twitter running things on that, on that platform. So sat down and built out all of these audience and used all these lookalikes and all these different modeling tools and stuff and settled on a specific set of people and a specific, specific set of audiences that would perform mm-hmm. well, ran that performed super nice. well. I wasn't bragging about it. I was just like super happy. I was like, great, this actually worked because I didn't want you know, them to say, all right, we'll give you like 700 bucks to run something. And I run it and you know, it gets like, you know, 3000 impressions. And I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. But running something that proves itself out, coincidentally running stuff mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, had never set up anything on LinkedIn myself. Like I, I don't think I've ever posted anything on LinkedIn except maybe like a job update. I would never like, you know, I haven't shared an article on LinkedIn. I've never done one yeah, of those yeah. posts where it's like advice. And then it's like a list of 10 <laughs> a things. Of and then like Gary Vee does yeah. this. And people are like, whoa, <laughs> he was behind. Not, none of that kind of stuff. <laughs> But sat down and built out the entire paid side of that, building out all of the audiences, putting all the pixels on the website, putting all the tracking tags where they needed to go, making sure all the creative was trafficked, X, Y, Z, all of that kind of stuff gave me a huge insight into web development, ad ops, Mm -hmm. analytics, all that stuff. Because I had to sit down and say, all right, 
if we have this Twitter campaign, I could pull these standard reports from the platform and then hand them to our CMO and say, here you go. This piece, this X creative got 10,000 impressions at a, you know, a 0.45 click through rate. And he'd be like, Mm -hmm. cool. What does this mean? So instead Mm -hmm. I took all that data and I put it into a data studio and I, sorry, we have window washers going down the building right now. So ignore, ignore any banging on the windows. (laughs) They're trying to talk the show. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if they want on, I will, I will crack open this window somehow. I can't, there are no windows here. I can't like, I can't break the window. It's a wall of glass. Um, But sat there and was like, okay, how can I model this in a way that makes sense to people who are not in media, people who do not see this stuff every day, have no idea what a DMP or a DSP or a walled garden, Twitter and and Facebook, things like that, what the, what they are. And that's something I'm proud of is that I found a way to take something that I was passionate about build it out effectively and efficiently and communicate it to someone who really didn't have insight into what those platforms did or what they meant for their business goals. That is something that, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I like talking about it and not because I'm like, Oh, I did such a great fucking job (laughs) just because like I was happy. (laughs) about it. I enjoyed doing it. It was beside, aside from my day-to-day client work, it was something where it was just me. I was the only one doing it. So I mm-hmm. could sit there with my head down in my computer and just really dive into this kind of stuff and make yeah, it my no, own. Yeah, those are the best projects. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's smaller that's stuff awesome. that gets handed over that's to really you. Cool. I mean, like that's where you get to really make it your own and own it. So and that's cool to hear. Thanks for kind of sharing that with us too. That's cool. Yeah, and I think as you guys you know progress in your internship, Cole and Trent, as you as you start your internship, is really if somebody gives you a small project, yeah. bury your head in it. Not saying like be obsessive about it and like you know, spend so much time building out this spreadsheet, but really like understand the reasoning for it and try to add your unique sample on it. That's all. That's, that's the biggest piece of advice I can give for, for people just like at their very first internship starting out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No, it's, it's, it's really, it's really important to, you know, kind of set yourself apart. I think early on, we, we actually had a good conversation about this just earlier this week too. That was definitely to that point. Um, but I, I really like what you were saying about kind of, you know, we have these more abstract concepts in media and in digital and, you know, it, it really does take a lot to kind of explain those to the stakeholders, you know, the people that are going to okay it or, you know, say a good job or whatever it ends up being, you know, it, you know, you have to be able to take that extra step and explain things. And, you know, I think one thing that I think about too, a lot of the time is, you know, your job and even my current internship right now, I mean, those didn't exist four or five years ago, hardly, you know, those were very, you know, kind of abstract things that hadn't really formed, you know, social media was still kind of more in its infancy or whatnot. And so where do you kind of see these things kind of going in the future? Do you think it's going to become more complex or do you think we're going to kind of get more accessible in that way? I I think... Yeah, I think it's definitely it's done definitely get more more complex the more agencies embrace data. Not even mm-hmm. just like data from their advertisers, but just data as a whole, whether it comes to when it when it comes to either like hiring people and data on that or how they promote themselves as an agency, how they promote their work that they've done as an agency, how they work with clients, all of that. But what I always think back to is that there's definitely a human factor to what we're supporting. And that's the key is that this kind of digital change, this move towards the more data centric business models that thing, it will make us as agencies and as employees and 
I was sorry, as agencies and I wouldn't say employees, but as agencies and specialists, so media specialists, strategy specialists, sure. creatives, mm-hmm. it would it will make us more faster and agile in what we do. The Apple just came out with their Mac yeah. Pro or whatever that five six thousand dollar <laughs> thing is, and mm-hmm. reading reading the specs on it, I was like, I don't understand what any of this means. I just know it means it's yeah. going to be faster. <laughs> and they were, you know, they put their their mm-hmm. keynote together and they were, you know, talking about how you can do all these crazy things with Premiere Pro for video and all these video editors I follow on Twitter are like, this is amazing. This is great. Like the monitor has this many, not pixels, but it was something like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's those kind of things that will make us faster and more agile. But unfortunately, that's not going to make us more creative or strategic in our decision making. Those are just tools to allow us to do things better and faster at a higher quality. It's not saying like, oh, if I have a really great monitor, suddenly my graphic designs are going to get 10 right. times better. It's, it's like, it, it's not like you're playing soccer and you put glasses on and suddenly you're playing better. Yeah. That's because you can finally see, but intrinsically having a different, you know, demand side platform DSP that I work in does not make me a, a better programmatic strategist. It just gives me more opportunity to do more things. And I think that is the core of it is that it will allow agencies and specialists like ourselves to be more agile and faster with what we do at first. But after that, there comes the human element of how do we use all this stuff? How do we take our brains and meld it with this technology to be better for our clients? So if someone said, Hey, we have this DSP, this DSP that can do everything. I'd be like, cool. I don't know what I can do. Like, I don't know what to do because I've never encountered a technology that would allow me to do that. So then Mm -hmm. you have to take a step back and say, how do we work with this? And I think those are the, the key parts of this digital changes. There's a human factor. It'll make us better It'll make us faster, make us more agile. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to the human element. How can I, as someone who's in media, get my stuff out there using this technology. Is my stuff going to get better? I don't know. I have to make it better. I have to make it live up to the, to the technology that is hosting it. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, that's, I, I think that's, that's so, so true. And I love your soccer statement too, of like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we were blind before. So like now we can kind of see, but like in the end when everyone can see, you know, what's, what is that going to shape up and look like? And you're totally right that you have to be able to use the tools that you have. I mean, I even think about, you know, what happens at, you know, an agency when, you know, someone on the media department or, you know, in my team analytics, if someone leaves, you know, you get all these spreadsheets, you get all these different reports and you're not sure what to do with them. And it's like, even if it was the best home report and they did it the best way, if you don't know how to use those technologies to the best of your ability or the agency doesn't, then it doesn't matter. And so I think, oh, oh, totally. There, I mean, there've been so many times where someone's like, Hey, I, I don't have the bandwidth anymore for this project. Can you handle it? And I'm like, I always say like, sure, duh, because I'm trying to be, you know, like a good person and not say, no, I can't help you. Um, but then, you know, I say, yes, they pass me their stuff and I'm like, I don't know where to start with this. And that happens all the time, but that's part of learning and growing is taking those risks and saying like, I don't know where to start, but I better start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, Definitely. and we've kind of touched on this too, Jonah, like about kind of bringing different perspectives into the office and to your work and kind of, you know, with creativity 
being kind of like a factor throughout all agency departments because it's really not just the creatives that need to be creative. I'm, I'm curious kind of how would you say you get to express your creativity at work and, you know, kind of do you have any other side hustles you do in your free time to kind of stay in that creative space or do you feel like you're able to get that through work and what does that kind of look like in media? Yeah, um, I wish I could sit here and be like, I have a Shopify store and it yeah. sells this and buy my <laughs> stuff as my side hustle. I don't. I've thought about it, but I don't have anything to sell. Um, I, I guess the way I can, you know, express my creativity at work is I interface a lot yeah. with our social strategy team. Our my own media team itself is very tight knit. Like mm-hmm. we have a lot of stuff going on, um, and so we all can kind of like work together to think of some ideas and how to honestly how to spend our clients money like if our clients like hey we have this budget and here we have you know thirty thousand incremental how do you want to spend it and we're like i don't know we'll figure it out and so those are the opportunities to be creative and this agency has a lot of stuff going for it a lot of it you know comes to experiential so we um had some vendors in here a while back that were meeting with just our experiential team for you know activations they can do and they can assist with and they were like all right who else wants to join from media and i was like i'll join because i want to hear what they have to say i want to see like oh if experiential is doing this activation with this liquor company and you know this vendor comes in and they're like okay we can do this stuff um, we can build out your bar and we can build out all these drinks and stuff like, okay, cool. That's real world. Then if for some reason that client is like, Oh, let's run some media. I already know what they're doing for the activation for the experiential part of it. So how do, how can I be right. useful in those situations that helps me be creative? Cause I always have to think of ways that we can tap into media yeah, here, absolutely. especially. I think, um, you know, kind of with that too, cause you mentioned giant spoon and how experiential they can be. And I mean, really, Giant Spoon is killing it right now. And I would be curious to hear from you kind of a little bit about uh, what kind of accounts you get to work on over there and how their culture is kind of compared to some of the other places you've been at in the past, too. Yeah, so here I work. I mean, I I work across all accounts, really. Um, um, Yeah, I mean, just as like a full disclosure here, our programmatic team is very, very nascent. So it's, it's the we're not new to the practice here, yeah, but we are new to the, to the team. So yeah. my, myself, I, Oh yeah. Yeah. I handle most of the programmatic here in LA. And then I assist out of, um, uh, one of our associate directors out of New York handles nice. all of our programmatic work. Um, so it's, it's he and I, and then the rest of our media team, we, you know, we handle stuff across paid search and paid social. So I do have some, um, you know, projects where I focus on that mainly, but, Um, yeah, our team really just tries to, everyone has some insight into everything. And, you know, every now and then one of my coworkers will come over and they'll be like, can we do this programmatic thing? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, we can. And then, you know, I, I kind of like, I like teaching and I like explaining and, and things like that. And really this is, this is a place where you, you can do a lot of that is I don't have other than, you know, my time on my internship in college, I don't have a lot of experience into live activations and things like that. And, and the, the timing that goes into it and the build outs and the contracts and things like that. But our experiential team here are nice, rock stars yeah. at that. So, you know, sitting with them and listening to hear what they do and, you know, see all these you know brands come in to ask about, you know, different experiential things and, and to hear our teams pitch like that, that is super inspiring yeah, to me. Absolutely. And I think too, like, does that answer the question? I don't, I don't no, know. No, it does. Yeah, okay, that was cool. great. <laughs> yeah, and I think going along with that too, I mean, you know, looking at it from a media perspective, what was your kind of thought process when you were evaluating them um, as going into like a media department? Um, and kind of what do you think media students or people who want to go into media from college should look for when kind of 
evaluating different agencies to join? I think you, I think you know uh-huh. it can be looked at from a multitude of ways. I think if if you're you know a college student and you're like, all right, I I want to work in advertising, then you could most certainly you could apply to the you know the big names in in yeah. not only media but just agency world in general. You could apply to those names, and you know if that is something that that suits you, that that's fine. And if if the name recognition matters, it matters. And I'm not going to sit here and judge right. someone for wanting to work at a large agency. I will say, you know, I started out at a small agency. I started out at an agency of of here in LA doing account work. It was five people uh-huh. and it was, you know, headquartered in Baltimore and it was a total right, of, yeah. I think 90 or whatever. Um, which, which to me, that was, I mean, those are first agency. So I didn't know. So <laughs> yeah, to me, that, like, that felt like large agency and, you know, moving over to RPA yeah. it turned out to be like 700 across multiple offices. And then here at giant spoon, yeah. it's about, you know, 200 across two offices. And, if you can, you can look at name and you can look at the size of the agency if you want, that's great and all. You can also sit down and look at clients. I mean, most of the time when you're interviewing for an internship, either they'll tell you the client that you possibly will work on or they won't. And you'll get there on your first day and they'll say like, all right, you're going to be assisting on Red Bull and Toyota and yeah. any insert any brand here. Like you could know it, you couldn't know it. So you have to go in with a grain of salt saying like, okay, if I'm going to work at this big agency, that'd be cool. But if I'm also stuck with a client that I personally don't like, like if you were stuck with like gaming and you're not a gamer, you have to find a way to like that. You have to find a way to say like, I don't know anything about gaming, but I should probably educate myself. Um, Yeah. I think just if you're someone interviewing for internships, I think ask those tough questions of, well, if I, you know, if I do secure this role or whatever, what kind of clients do, do you see me working on? What kind of, you know, the day-to-day work do you see me doing? Just so you don't get in your first day and if you, you know, receive the internship and you're, you know, surprised, right. you're like, oh, this is not what I signed up for at all. Like, you, you don't want that. You want to be comfortable in your role. And I think agencies want you to be comfortable in the role. So I don't think you should ever feel bad asking about the type of work or the work that you'll be completing while you're there. I think that is something um, yeah, that's actually a very absolutely. mature thing to ask. Um, and I think going through your experiences too, like w- what's something you've learned now being at all these different shops and having these different experiences that you wish you knew when you were kind of starting out in this industry uh, and feel like it would have been benefit? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, you know, the, like LinkedIn post will tell you like network and you need to grind and you need to be, you know, hustling on the weekends and then insert any Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary yep. V quote here of like, I sell yeah. shoes on eBay and like, you should be doing that. And it's all about the hustle. Like, yeah, the hustle is right. important, but what's also important is the passion behind it. Like 100%. a job is a job yeah. and you're going to go and do it and you're going to get paid and you're going to go home and that's it. And you're going to spend eight hours of your day doing something. And it's up to you whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, you can easily find another job. Not saying for everyone it's easy to do that. But I think if you have a job, you should learn to love it. And if you don't love it, there are opportunities to find ways to yeah. love it, if that makes if that makes sense. That it's you're never going to have the perfect mm-hmm. job where you're going to go there every single day and you're going to be like, I cannot wait to work on this one thing or these five things for the next eight hours and then go home and then do it again and again. And if that is your job, that is, <laughs> that's amazing. Like if someone has found that job that they love to do every single day, that's amazing. Do I love coming to my job every single day for eight hours, yeah. eight and a half hours working on my clients? Not always. I'm a human. I'm not supposed to sit here and, you know, you know, have a, 
fake smile on my face and tapping away on my keyboard as if, you know, this is, I would rather be anywhere else. I love roller coasters. <laughs> I wish I was riding a roller yeah. coaster right now, but I'm not. So I, I really think when looking for a role and, you know, thinking about things that I wish I had known when I was applying for places or starting out is that it's okay not to like your job. It's okay to be there and sometimes be unhappy about it, but understand that even if you aren't, yeah. There's something better. There's something better after there's another career you could take on. There are different things you can do to make your role better. If you're struggling with something and you feel like, oh man, I just really don't get this. And you know, I, I'm just kind of stuck in a rut. Talk to someone, whether it, it doesn't have to be your boss, it doesn't have to be your coworker. It can be literally anyone, but get it out there and talk to someone else who can give you another perspective. Because I realized for a while when I was at RPA, like my head was down in my keyboard so much and I was, you know, just stuck in my work and I would go home and I'd think about my work and then I would go to bed and I would dream about my work and you know, that kind of stuff. Like get your mind out of there on the weekends. Don't think about work. And my very first agency on account work, you know, I'm sending emails every day. And what I did for myself was I didn't have out my girls on outlook on my phone. I took it off. I was like, I don't, I don't want to see emails on the weekend. I don't even want to know. Because I don't want that to stress myself out. I want it's okay to pull yourself away from your work and enjoy your surroundings, and especially at like large agencies like Cole. You're over at you're over at Mullen Low. Like it is totally fine for you to sit there and be like, mm-hmm. it is two p.m. I'm a little tired. It's okay for you to pull away from your work and you know walk around the building or the complex or your floor or sit at your desk for. 10, 15 minutes and just relax and decompress yourself. Because if you burn yourself out, it's so hard to come back from that. I burned myself out on account work. It was so hard for me to, you know, look at account work any differently than it was something that just burned me out. Like I, you know, I was sending emails all the time and I was just like working and working and working and it was showing up at eight and leaving at five or sometimes five 30, not taking a lunch. Like I was burning myself out. And that's just something I wish I knew when I started out is that, you don't, yeah. burn your, don't burn yourself out and it's okay to relax. I think so much in advertising, we're always like the client, the client, the client needs this, the client needs that, blah, blah, blah. Like they need their spreadsheet and they need their insights. Like, yes, they do. And it's great if we get that to them in a timely manner, but it is okay if something doesn't get there right on time. It is okay if you need a second to collect yourself to get something done. I would not push yourself beyond the limit just to get you know, a spreadsheet finished or some insights done or a media plan pushed out, take the time that you need to create quality work and then create that quality work. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think, you know, especially too, with me going into the, uh, the account Mm -hmm. management, brand management track, that is especially true. (laughs) I remember, um, I was at mother last summer over in New York and talking with the managing director over there who came from the account side. She told me at one point, like, you know, if you treat everything like a college bay where you have just your list of things to do and you just have to go through one after another and cross them out and find a way to do them all, you're going to essentially kill yourself at work. Like, you know, you have to learn that, you know, you have to prioritize what can be done, what can't, and that sometimes you have to live for the next day and you can leave and have stuff that you can finish in the morning and pick up again. And I think too often people do try to burn themselves out by trying to get everything done at once. And so I think that's a really good point in it. And it goes back to your earlier point, too, about how when you have passions outside of work, it allows you to not just rely only on work to feel fulfillment. So I think those are both great points you brought up. Yeah. And I mean, when I was doing account work, I was starting, you know, near the end of, end of my time there before I decided to leave that 
I real I was starting to do the whole like, hey, I'm heading home, but I'll be online when I get home. Like, I yeah. didn't need to do that. I right. did not need to say that. I did not need to be available because it is okay to not be available. Yeah. But I was so stuck and so burnt out that I was just like, you know, trying to pull myself through the mud of getting things done and being a good employee and you know, get, making good work that I was like, I'll be all my line when I get home. And, you know, I was get home, plot my laptop on the coffee table, open it up and, you know, go about my routine. But my laptop is always there. The work is always there. Put your stuff away, go home, eat a, eat a, eat a banana, sit outside for a bit, relax. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I think that's uh, so important. And I I just love that you say that, Jonah, because again, it's, you know, especially nowadays too, I I saw a a thing, a quote recently that said, you know, work is uh, young people's new religion. And I think that's absolutely uh, not. Oh, man. Absolutely not. That's awful. I know it was just like, but even just hearing that the fact that, you know, people think that way in a sense that like, you know, there's you know, we prioritize so much of the deadline and things that need to get done. And, you know, obviously the things that need to get done have to, but I know for myself and, you know, even the thing of, you know, you going home and saying, Oh, I'll be online when I get back when you didn't have to do that. I know personally, even for myself, I'm always one where I will, I will always, you want to go the extra mile, you know, to prove to, you know, either your supervisor or the agency that you're committed, that you're dedicated and going to do good work. But, you know, if you don't take that time for yourself, you lose that passion and then the work isn't going to be as good. And so I, I totally, totally agree with that. And, you know, if you let yourself get down that track, then it, it can be bad. So I think, you know, recognizing that is, is so, so important. Well, and so kind of, well, yeah, falling back onto sort of passions, things that, you know, in, enrich our lives in other ways, um, <laughs> we'll kind of wrap up here with our final question, which is, um, what is like a piece of content media it can be a book movie uh you know podcast that you listened to recently that you think people should check out uh okay so i i'm not gonna like um there could be more than one <laughs> yeah I, I mean okay i saw avengers endgame loved it huge yeah. superhero fan oh, right everyone on. if you like if you like movies go see it it's a culmination Agreed. of 10 years and 22 23 movies like it is a cinematic event go see it that is, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I'm going to recommend. And the next thing I'm going to recommend, I don't mean to brag on myself. I'm not going to like, you know, try to be like, oh, I know so-and-so, whatever. <laughs> no so I, I have a friend, his name is Matt. He runs a Twitter account that features a lot of dogs. Mm, love it already. <laughs> if you would like to follow it, if you would like to follow that account, it's, I can't remember the exact Twitter handle. And let me, let me pull it up or else. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We'll put it in the it's show notes. Dog under, it is at dog underscore rates, the We Rate Dogs account. I highly recommend <laughs> you follow that. Just because name drop. It, it, I, yeah, I don't mean, I'm not going to name drop. I, I, do, I don't mean to or anything, but it's a, it's a really good platform of like, this is something that does feel good on the internet. And yeah. to tie it back to like authentic brand voice and stuff like that. I have met him. He is a great guy. He's awesome. I love talking to him and everything. The way he expresses himself on the internet is exactly how he is in person. Yeah. And I think if you're, I don't know if you guys saw the other day, this, um, 
I think it was the Axe body spray tweet um, that came from Edelman or whatever. And, you know, this woman was talking about the straight pride parade and, and they were saying like gay rights are human rights, but go off Jill. Like those kind of yeah. brand voice things. Like that's the kind of content I like. I like going through Twitter and just seeing what's up. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dog, ooh, the We Red Dogs account, like that is some feel good stuff. That is not only like, oh, we're going to rate some dogs 12 out of 10, but hey, here's some fundraisers to help, you know, animals that have been neglected or, or have health complications or whatever. Full disclosure, I have two rescue dogs of my own. So it has a very close spot in my heart. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, that kind of content that not only like, I'm not going to say, you know, sit here and, You'd be like, you need to read this marketing book by so-and-so on Amazon because it's a great read. Like, yeah, that might be cool, but I don't like to think about work a whole lot when I'm not at work. Yeah. Like, I don't like to dive in and, you know, just, just be that guy who's like, I want to be a thought leader for digital marketing, so I need to understand everything that's going on. You can get a lot of your insights from your, your day-to-day activity on the internet. Go on Twitter, hit the trending hashtag button, see what's up, read some stuff, go on Go on Reddit, read some stuff. Tell, I don't know, Tumblr's still a thing? Sure, whatever. Go on Tumblr, look at some stuff. Go on Facebook, look at what your parents are talking about. That's where you can find a lot of stuff that's going on. Like That's the kind of content that I think people should check out is, is content in their own backyard. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I think those little pulse checks kind of on culture are always uh, always super important. It's, it's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, being from the Midwest, I'm here in LA now, which is like 2000 miles away. And I get so caught up in like, what's going out, going on here in LA and like big stories here and, you know, this national news. And I'm like, what's going on back home? And my parents are like, oh, there was, there was a flood and, and -and so-and-so's hair salon has been open for two years. And like, that's just like the the local news (laughs) and that, you know, I grew up on the local news and I think every now and then it's good to take a step back and say like, what's going on in, the real world in quotes, like what's going on in like middle America, everyday life, because, you know, at the end of the day, people are what matters and, you know, not all the content matters to everyone, but everyone matters. Mm -hmm. It's super important, especially as we all migrate to the coasts. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It was either this or Chicago. And I was like, I need to leave the Midwest. It's too cold. So I came here. (laughs) Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. I was done with the rain. So yeah definitely but um i think that should do it actually um so uh thank you again jonah for agreeing to come on 